thank you so much for doing this patrick it really means a lot to me yeah absolutely ishan thank you for having me um, i'm very excited to be here today mhm so what's it like in new york right now uh well right now um you know we're we're just starting to get some warmer weather um you know i think uh right now with with covid and the pandemic things are just starting to open up and so people are just starting to um uh, you know be in the parks again and and going out to restaurants so i know you know different parts of the world are sort of experiencing covid differently right now but um new york is sort of at a place where it's just starting to really open up again and the nicer weather is helping in pune we i'm in pune and we're still in lockdown i mean they haven't opened up much yet i mean i'm having a lot of difficulties in even ordering equipment for my podcast luckily i have a mic at home i might get my boom stand on time so it'll be much better because i have to come all the way here to you know, speak much better but let's hope things go great so um, yeah. if you were to give my give the audience an introduction on who is patrick lin how would you introduce yourself for sure so you know i would say uh i i think i can you know i'm currently in law school i consider myself uh sort of a, a lawyer in training i think as a result um but you know i've been interested in in pursuing a career in law for actually a very long time uh even when i was a uh, a young teenager and so um this is sort of an area that i've been interested in for for a long time i love advocating for people i love um being able to you know i think work on really complicated issues um but even long before i was interested in law um i was interested in technology um at a very young age i really liked watching <laughs> science fiction movies you know like terminator matrix star wars all those sorts of things and so um i get that that's all sort of you know not real but um that sort of got me interested in in the space to begin with and through a lot of other experiences i've had throughout high school university and now in law school um i've sort of really built up um uh, this interest and and i think um a little bit of knowledge uh in in artificial intelligence and sort of how it intersects with the law as well so basically you developed an interest in ai through movies yeah i think in the very beginning um i think like like a lot of people um that's sort of in in many ways i think the first real introduction i think to artificial intelligence right i think um uh, before we start learning about it in school before we are really introduced to it in in a maybe a more formal capacity um we first see you know robots um mm-hmm. artificial intelligence things like that um on television or in movies wow so um how old were you when you first started to actually learn and um you know expose yourself to the world of artificial intelligence um so how how did i first expose myself to that space right yeah so you know i would say my first real formal introduction was actually when i was in undergrad when i was in university um yeah. i had the opportunity to intern for um its organization in the united states called the legal aid society um it's actually the largest um uh, criminal legal defense organization um uh, in the united states and i actually was first working on uh dna forensics uh cases um and so through that experience i learned about sort of how algorithms were used to analyze um dna samples and how that was sort of an automated process and i think you know i'm not necessarily sure uh sort of what you know your your background is in that space but um 
I think when we think about DNA, we think, oh, this is scientific. This is technical. Um, so it's got to be objective. It's got to be fair. Um, someone yeah. in a white coat or someone from the laboratory is telling me the results. So it's got to be right. Um, and I quickly learned that that just wasn't the case. Um, while it's a really interesting development in science, and certainly it's been really helpful, um, it's also been used in ways that are biased towards um, certain communities, um, at least in the United States. And so um, that was sort of my first introduction. And from there, I started um, reading more about sort of how AI and how algorithms were used to determine even things like how long someone should stay in prison for, or where- What do you mean by that? How long should someone stay in prison for? Yeah, that's right. Um, in the United States, there are algorithms used um, by judges in, in courthouses um, to do things to even decide, uh, you know, before trial, should someone be staying in jail or should they be allowed to go home? Um, when making decisions about parole, right? This idea of whether someone after, you know, showing good behavior um, while they've been serving time in prison, um, is this incarcerated person able to be released? Um, and algorithms are, are you know, making these decisions for a lot of these um, people and a lot of these institutions. Um, and yeah, and even in sentencing. Um, in the United States, algorithms, algorithms are even being used to determine things like, is this person at a high risk of recommitting a crime? And should they go to prison? Uh, and so we're seeing, um, you know, I think these sort of hidden and secret algorithms, right? They're invisible to us. It's not like a police officer walking down the street and, you know, you might you know, second guess maybe their, their motives or things like that. But um, with algorithms, we don't know that they're being used necessarily. And especially for the general public, um, we might not even think about it. Um, and so it's sort of, um, I think this scary space. And I think while AI can be used as a really effective tool, um, I think right now in the way that we're seeing it used in government, at least in, in the US, um, there's some dangers there. Wow that okay that just hit me i mean ai is being used by judges how did you feel when you first found out that ai is being used to pass judgment by a robot instead of a human being doing the same yeah i mean at least uh in the united states in in most jurisdictions um a judge will still make the ultimate decision but they can rely on the algorithm and so what we've seen sometimes is um, there's certainly been cases where, you know, a judge might have their own prejudices. They might not like a certain group of people, and you don't, you might not necessarily know that by just, you know, sitting in a courtroom, but an algorithm might legitimize that decision or yeah. um, might, deter, might, might help um, sort of cover their own biases, right? Um, right? So now all of a sudden you have judges who can say, well, um, you know, I gave this person this sentence um, because the algorithm said it was fine. Right. And so to, I guess to more specifically answer your question, I think um, I think it's really terrifying having a machine make these decisions. Right. And I think in the last right. maybe I think in the maybe last you know, two decades, um, at least in the U.S., we, you know, we started getting this idea that, um, oh, you know, we were recognizing that humans as, as people, we have biases, we have prejudices um, that, you know, there are certain things. Um, that we try to catch ourselves doing. We might, you know, um, before we even get to know someone, we might have these preconceived notions of who or, or what they might be like. Um, right. But the problem is we've created machines and we think 
oh, well, the AI is objective. The machine is fair. The algorithm will be um, objective, you know, but we forget that it's people who make these machines, right? Mm. It's not like the, the AI is some sort of magical um, thing that will solve all of our problems, right? I think we often think of it as such, mm. um, but people made the machines and people choose how to use the machines. Right. And so it's not like we're seeing AI being used in a way that's, um, you know, I think remedying a lot of these problems. I think AI often is used to punish in the criminal justice system. And that's what we're seeing. Um, and so I think it's a really scary thing. And I, I, I think um, even though people have their own prejudices, people can, can change. Right. People can be taught right. um, to be more accepting or to be more sympathetic. Um, but a machine cannot. A machine cannot disobey. It cannot dissent, um, and it won't make exceptions necessarily. Um, hmm. And so I think that's sort of the that rigidity, um, and I think the biases that we've seen uh, machines exhibit. I think that's a problem. So um, I don't know. Is this um, when you say um, it is not biased? How unbiased is artificial intelligence towards making its decision? What do you think? Right. And so well, to be clear, um, what I was saying earlier is I think that's an idea that a lot of people are getting. I, I think the way that AI, um, especially the way it's used to um, police people, the way it's used to um, use in the courtroom, things like that. Um, I think there's a lot of bias, actually. And I think the problem really starts with um, our reliance on historical data. Right. When we rely on data from the past, what that ultimately does is we're just repeating patterns that we've seen in history, right? And so, you know, if certain communities um, are constantly being policed or being watched or being surveilled, um, and that's what the data says, if we rely on that data to train algorithms, right, to, um, to use that to train the machine learning algorithms, it's just going to repeat those same patterns over and over and over again. And all of a sudden you have um, a situation where AI is actually just reflecting the past into the future. Um, and I think we, we don't wow. really think about that, right? We, right. we often think yeah. of, oh, like AI is this panacea, right? It's going to fix everything. <laughs> but if we're, if we're training it using the past, it's just going to repeat hmm. the same past mistakes over and over and over again. Um, and in my research, that's, that's what I'm seeing time and time again. Um, and, and so I think that's that's a really sort of scary thing that's happening right now in AI. Mm -hmm. And so I certainly do think that there is bias. There. Right. Like, I don't think people understand when they talk about artificial intelligence is that, you know, there's all this talk about data security and my data is at risk when I put my with my Facebook account and stuff. I don't think people realize that artificial intelligence feeds on data. In order for a robot to wish you a happy birthday on your birthday, it has to know your, that your birthday is on so and so date. It needs to know that your date is on April 14, 2009 to know that um, you're like, um, how old, how, what would be the age? <laughs> okay, it needs to know that you're, you're like um, 11 or 12 years old. I don't think a, um, people realize that AI feeds on data. Right, yeah, like I, you I just think, said. Yeah. You just Absolutely. spoke about the um, historical data. So basically you're trying to tell me that um, AI relies on historical data, the data of the past, instead of actually 
So like, what what are these algorithms they run on? Like, I'm still not able to understand how these algorithms work. Can you just share some of that with the audience? Like, when you talk about unbiased and what exactly is the artificial intelligence relying on exactly? Absolutely. Um, and so, I mean, the example that you just gave, I think that's great. And I think that is one form of AI, right? I think that's the AI and the algorithms that the general public are just starting to be aware of, right? That, um, you know, Facebook is creating your newsfeed based on your other activities, right? And so if Hmm. you are liking, if you are liking certain statuses, if you are commenting and engaging with certain content, um, Facebook's going to remember that. And what they're doing is they're storing all of your past behaviors and decide, mm-hmm. okay, um, if Ishan is going to keep scrolling on Facebook, how do we keep him on Facebook longer? Right. Right. And same with, you know, um, you know, YouTube, for example, right? When you mm-hmm. watch videos on YouTube, if you're watching a lot of, say, you know, educational videos about a certain topic, YouTube is going to keep feeding you uh, that content because they think, okay, mm-hmm. this is what Ishan is interested in. He's going to keep watching it. He's going to stay on YouTube longer. He's going to see more advertisements if we keep him on our website, right? And so that's how how algorithms work. And and that's how I think a lot of us understand it right now. But I think, for example, um, we see in the U.S. algorithms and AI being used to make policing decisions, right? And so police um, are being sent to certain, you know, neighborhoods, certain communities, actually a lot of times based on hmm. what an artificial intelligence tells them. Um, and the way that the AI is being trained before it's being used by police departments is they're looking at where police have historically gone, um, where they've made the most arrests, right? And so right. If, let's say there's, there's, there's um, you know, neighborhood A and neighborhood B, right? Hmm. Neighborhood A is a very wealthy neighborhood, um, you know, and, and there's not typically as much crime there because people are maybe, they're, you know, they're affluent, they're working during the day, they're lucky enough to be, um, to have an education, they're working. But let's say neighborhood B, right? They're less fortunate. Um, it's a community that isn't quite as uh, well off. Um, and as a result, um, there might be more crime there. But hmm. the thing is that we're tracking crime um, or we're, we're, we're determining what crime is based on where arrests are being made. And at least in the United States, there's a really big sort of racist history there, right? Right. Where police officers have historically targeted, well, black and brown people, right? Hmm. And so as a result, um, at least with uh, predictive policing, we have police officers um, following an artificial intelligence that is just repeating patterns of behavior that have been um, sort of solidified over the past 10 years or, or the past several you know, years and throughout our history. And now they're just repeating those same behaviors. They're going to the same communities. They're policing the same neighborhoods because that algorithm was trained to do just that. It's telling you exactly what you already know, right? Right. Wow. Oh my God. That, that was like, I think that just cleared in my mind that AI is not as unbiased as I thought it was. Right. So, um, I would, um, there was this recent article I was reading. Um, it was this, um, new interview published on the guardian by Daniel Kahneman. So, um, basically he said that, um, it's common knowledge at this point that artificial intelligence will soon be capable of outworking humans, if not entirely outmoding them in plenty of areas, how much will be outworked and outmoded and on what scale is still up for debate. 
But in a new interview published by the Guardian over the weekend, Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman had a fairly hot take on the matter. In the battle between AI and humans, he said that it is going to be an absolute blowout, and humans are going to get creamed. Clearly, AI is going to win against humans. It's not even close. Kahneman told the paper, "How people are going to adjust to this is a fascinating problem." What are your thoughts on this statement? Yeah, I mean, I I certainly think he's right in a lot of ways, right? I think, especially when we're thinking about automation, right? I think one of the the, the very first motivations of using artificial intelligence and and relying on hmm. um, algorithms, right, is to automate processes, right? And so we're seeing in factories, for example, right, we have taught machines to build our cars, to um, you know, produce um, our products, etc. Um, and so, I think with respect to automation, um, yeah, artificial intelligence will certainly um, outpace people, right? You can analyze more data by teaching an artificial intelligence how to do that, right? You give them a set of instructions, and the machine will process it much faster than a person ever could, hmm. right? Um, and I think, you know, I think on the when you think about production, when you think about you know business, even. Um, AI is doing some really incredible things, and I, I, I do think, though, that it's, um, there, there are problems because it's also, I think, resulting in a lot of um, people losing their jobs, right? And I, I think that's, that's right. a reality that we're facing right now. Uh, um, now, I think where, where I think AI will, for a long time, I think, continue to, to fail um, and, and lose to, to human, humans is... Um, I think when, when there needs to be some nuance in that thinking, right? When, when we do need to think about exceptions, when we need to like, sort of, well, I, I think there are certainly decisions that we make as humans, right? Where we rely on our humanity or we are sympathetic hmm. and we make decisions that way, right? And so, you know, I think an artificial intelligence oftentimes is taught um, to act the way that it does based hmm. on a set of instructions or um, they're being trained on data that's been collected already, right? And so when that happens, as you know, as we were talking about earlier, we see a repeating pattern, right? We see sort of um, AI in, in that sense works like a mirror, right? It reflects the past into the future and right. it continues that trend. And so we've talked about sort of how it's being used in sentencing. We've talked about how it's used... Um, to make policing decisions, and if we if we solely rely on artificial intelligence in those spaces, I think we'll continue to sort of lose our humanity in that way, right? We are no longer able to make decisions about okay, well, should you know we need to ask questions like should we even rely on a machine to do that? As people, we are already biased. How can we change the way that we, you know, inter as police officers, how do we change the way that we interact with community? As a judge, how can I look at this person's history? How can I, um, you know, think about the change in someone's behavior and make decisions about, um, you know, what is the best outcome for them? Is it okay to use a machine to send someone to, to prison, right? And so a, an example I think of a lot is when we developed autopilot, right, for an airplane. Right. We didn't suddenly start sending passengers onto commercial flights without hmm. any pilots in the cockpit, right? right? We still have typically two pilots sitting in the cockpit 
And, and so we can't remove humans from processes, even once we've automated them, right? Especially yeah. for things that have such a profound impact on other human beings, right? Yeah. And so I think it's important to keep people in those important decisions, right? I don't think judges are going to get replaced by machines. Right. Can you imagine a world where, you know, a, a robot, right, is essentially making a decision about whether someone goes to prison or not? That sounds like a like a sci fi movie and a yeah. scary one. too. Right? Very scary so exactly. And so we don't want that. I don't think we want that reality. We don't want um, a machine making decisions about, well, um, you can stay in this country. Right. When we think about immigration, we don't want a machine that's deciding whether someone can stay in the country. We don't want a machine telling police officers where they can go to police. We don't want to, we don't want a machine that's, um, you know, making these really big decisions. Um, and I think it's important to sort of keep our humanity in, in those processes. Wow. That was a lot of real stuff back then, man. What you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never heard anybody talk about it in so much detail. I mean, we're just talking about, you know, um, artificial intelligence being the next big thing and so on and so like um i was just seeing one of these interviews from um a, a man named kunal shah he's one of the um one of the top entrepreneurs in india right now like one of the most reputed entrepreneurs and i saw this interview in, in which he talked about the impact of innovation in an entrepreneurship and an automation and how it would negatively impact india he, and like for example when let's talk about the motor car when cars came into existence after henry ford changed things up the production for horses just went down right so what he said it's it's quite true that um when ai takes over like even the even the basic automation and fact or factories a lot of um people a, a lot of workers would be losing their jobs worldwide and they may or may not have no alternative so um I mean, that's what, that's what we're concerned about here in India right now. We're not talking a lot about it, but that may, that may not be a problem for another five years at least, but it is an upcoming um, wave that wave of problems that we need to figure out. But I just want to um, know your opinion from what's it like in America right now from automation and um, the rise of artificial intelligence as well as unemployment. What, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think automation is one of the biggest drivers of unemployment um, in the United States, actually, I, especially in, in industries like, um, like um, automobiles, right? Like making cars, even, even Amazon warehouses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are robots doing the there packaging. There are robots? Things. Really? There are. Yeah, wow. there are. There are. There are robots who are also doing things like sorting the inventory, um, even uh, okay. packaging and, and keeping track of you know where different products are are situated in a warehouse, right? Hmm. Um, and I think at least in the United States, because um, you know employment and unemployment and social welfare is such a politicized problem, oftentimes we blame things on. We blame unemployment on immigrants. We blame it on um, sort of these other um, things that I don't think actually have a very big impact on unemployment, right? Um, uh, you know, you you may or may not know, but you know, for example, during the Trump administration, one thing that he went after he went after the H one B visa, right? 
And he right. said, okay, you know, we don't want any more immigrants coming in, stealing our jobs. You know, that was sort of the rhetoric that we kept hearing over and over again, right? Mm, that right. immigrants were stealing American jobs. Um, but the reality is, I mean, the H-1B is for some of the most educated people from around the world to come to the United States, right? Uh, something like, I think, two-thirds of all people with H-1B visas have at least a bachelor's degree. Uh, and something like right. 20 to 30 percent uh, actually have a master's or even a PhD, right? And so these aren't the jobs that are being lost to automation necessarily, right? We still rely on, you know, a lot of, most of the people who come in with an H-1B are software developers, right? Those right. jobs aren't quite automated yet. In fact, they're the ones who are oftentimes creating things like artificial intelligence um, or creating a lot of technical products that hmm. are still, you know, very valuable to both the employer and to the market that they're in, right? And so right. automation is, is I think, the driving factor um, causing unemployment in countries like the U.S. and, and soon, I think, in countries around the globe um, because we're going to stop relying on manual labor to build cars, to, um, you know, make products or even to sort through um, inventories for retail, right? Um, right. And I think very soon um, we'll be relying on artificial intelligence for that um, in, a, in a much larger capacity. And as you know, you already acknowledge this, right? There isn't necessarily an alternative for these people, right? Right. Um, you know, and so where, you know, we, a lot of times we think, okay, well, we'll just retrain them. They can, you know, go back to school or whatever, but well, they might not have gone to school in the first place because they couldn't, they couldn't afford it. University, um, especially True. in the United States, is extremely expensive, right? And it's not, it's not like you can just instantly change your skill set, right? If you, if you have been, um, you know, working in a factory or working, um, you know, in a warehouse and that is, or, you know, working construction even, um, just, you know, as a few examples, if that's what you've been doing for X number of years, that is your skill set. And if all of a sudden, because technology improves and innovates so quickly, if that is now replacing what you have been trained to do, your expertise or your skill set is no longer as relevant. What do you do, right? It's difficult to just right. switch over. You can't suddenly become a coder, right? If you've been working in a factory your whole life you're not hmm. going to suddenly become a coder, right? Not overnight, right? And so I, I don't have a good solution, but I do think that automation is, um, you know, a, a, a driving force um, in, in, you know, causing people to lose jobs. I do think so. Uh-huh. All right. So um, I also saw on your LinkedIn profile that you're currently writing a book. Is it about artificial intelligence? That's right. Actually, um, a lot of the same problems that we were just talking about earlier um, about sort of artificial intelligence being used in the um, the U.S. criminal justice system. Um, that's that's what the book is, is about. Okay. So, um, are you going to be providing some of your solutions or something as well in the book, or how are you going to go about with that book? What what kind of message do you plan on leaving um, the readers with um, the book? Right. So the book, um, right now, the working title is uh, Machine See, Machine Do. Um, and that's sort of a play on words on, uh, you know, the saying, uh, monkey see, monkey do. Right. <laughs> and um, there are a lot of layers to that, but sort of the idea that like, well, we think of machines as, you know, hyper intelligent, super intelligent um, things. Um, and they're not always that, you know, that, that case, right? A lot of times they're just repeating without thinking 
what mm. humans have been doing, right? Right. And so the the book is really structured. You know, I've talked a little bit about it here, but first with policing, um, you know, how AI is being used in policing, how it's being used to analyze evidence, specifically DNA, um, and then talking about sentencing and how it's being used by courts. Um, you know, once someone's been arrested, if they're um, in court, sort of how are judges relying on algorithms to make their decisions? Um, and then the very final part of the book, uh, that's where I go into some solutions. Um, and so just very broadly, for example, I, I don't think we can rely on, you know, AI as the sole, uh, you know, decider of these, you know, of, of these different things, right? And so, right. you know, I think we need to keep people in that process. And I also talk a lot about sort of how um, we need to change the way that we use data to train um, algorithms. Right, we rely on historical data, or sometimes we use, um, you know, um, you're not allowed to use race in an algorithm, right? You can't say, um, right. oh, you know, this person is this certain race, and so this is a decision that we should make about their sentence in, in court. Um, but there are a lot of other determinations, there are a lot of other variables that we use that sort of act like proxies of race, right? Things like um, education level, zip code where someone lives um, is often determined by, uh, or often closely uh, associated with their race as well. And when we rely on those variables, we're essentially still making decisions based on race, right? And so right. That's, that's a problem too. Um, but yeah, I talk about different solutions to, to address that. And I've been fortunate enough to talk to a lot of experts and a lot of very interesting people to sort of uh, get their take as well. Mm-hmm. What was the reaction when you told them that you're writing a book about this? Um, the, I mean, the reception's been, been largely positive. Right? I think a lot of people are, are, wow, you know, this is a really interesting topic. Um, it's, it's definitely a very timely one. I think people in the general public are just starting to sort of be aware of, okay, this is what artificial intelligence is. Oh, it's everywhere. Um, and so I think people are starting to understand just how ubiquitous um artificial hmm. intelligence is, right and so right i think i think it's a it's a it's a really important topic and you know as i said we've talked about how it's being used to sort of hijack your brain on social media right yeah uh, and i think that's something that a lot of people are, are starting to be aware of right when you are scrolling forever on you know instagram or twitter or, or facebook um that's the algorithm at work right it's it's trying to provide you with content that will keep hmm. you hooked um, but we don't always think about how that same technology is being used to potentially send people to prison, to arrest people, um, to analyze the evidence that decides whether someone is innocent or guilty. Um, we don't think about that. Um, and so I want to write this book to sort of highlight those problems that my goal is to really make it um, easy to understand for as many people as possible. Um, because right. I think it's such an important issue. And so just trying to, to get the word out really is, is the goal of the book. Uh-huh. That's, that sounds very, very interesting. How long have you been writing this book? It seems like a lot of work. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a lot of work. <laughs> um, I, I started researching for the book um, or, or really, really starting to focus on the book. I would say the end of 2020. Um, around okay. October, November, I would say. 
Um, and right now I, I'm about two thirds way, right, you know, through writing the, the first draft of the, of the manuscript. And so the plan is to actually have it uh, published by December of this year. Okay. So it's going to be an ebook or a physical copy? Um, it'll be available in both, actually. It'll be both on ebook and I will have, uh, I should have physical copies as well. Okay. Right, so like we're talking about a, a lot about artificial intelligence. Um, like again, you told me that you're into you're from a legal background, and then you're moving towards artificial intelligence. So, um, um, could you tell us about your first? Have you ever had encounter? Have had an encounter with artificial intelligence, like in real life, at a pretty decent level, such that you can say that okay, this was. A lot of exposure to AI in my life. Hmm. I guess. Um, I mean, I think with respect to the technology that I've talked about, right? I think like um, I haven't really been been personally, I think, affected by it. Um, I think I'm very lucky to not have been. Right. I think. I mean. I. I. I think what I think about is. Uh, like facial recognition, right, which is largely powered by by artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very simple and and very innocent example, but I know when when Facebook first started using photo tagging, um, when Facebook start, first started using photo tagging, right, it would recognize your face in a photo and suggest a tag for it. Um, I have a younger brother, and Facebook, uh, when it first rolled out this feature, would often mistake the two of us. Um, and that's oh. because obviously their 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 AI isn't as good at you know deciphering the or or, hmm. or um, making uh, distinctions between um, you know maybe Asian people right right, um, right maybe it wasn't maybe it was mostly trained to identify white faces um, right. and so that's very innocent right my my brother and I would laugh about it sometimes <laughs> um, the the photo that I'm posting it'll mistake it's my brother and vice versa um, how long ago the, was this. Oh, this was probably this is early 2010s, I would say. Oh, so that was like when Facebook's uh, it, it was in its initial stages. Yeah, I would say early right. 2010s, maybe the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's roughly so when I, I first facial recognition was pretty much primitive, just like the new Apple Silicon chip. I would say it's very very sure. primitive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. Now that's that's really sort of innocent, right? Someone, right. Uh, you know. A, a facial recognition tool sort of getting you wrong for social media that that doesn't really have any negative effects um, but there are still very high error rates with facial recognition um, I actually I really suggest checking out some research done by um, Joy Polawini uh, um, she's uh, uh, at MIT and she's done really really interesting research on facial recognition and how there's a lot of racial and uh, and, and gender bias in the in the way that facial recognition works, right? And so, right, um, you know, just to give an example, right, facial recognition when when there are high error rates, when it's not good at identifying certain faces, and you're using it to, um, you know, as a surveillance tool, right, on the streets, mm-hmm. when you're relying on cameras and you're using facial recognition to decide whether someone committed a crime in a neighborhood or not, if it's not good at distinguishing between people in a certain community, 
you could have someone who could be wrongfully arrested um, for a crime that they never did because a, a, an artificial intelligence tool is just not advanced enough yet, right? Right. And so that, that becomes a problem. And, and that, that's a really scary outcome, right? You are just going about your day and because you happen to maybe share features with, um, you know, physical, physical characteristics or physical features with whoever mm. might have committed the crime, and because the people who developed um, the tool didn't account for you, didn't train the, the tool enough using images of you, it's less accurate. And now all of a sudden the police are knocking on your door, right? right. That's a really, you know, awful outcome, right? And, you know, the thing too is that a lot of times I hear people saying, um, well, you know, we can train um, the artificial intelligence to be better, right? We can eventually make uh, facial recognition 100% accurate. Um, but my fear is, do we really want that, right? Do we want, um, you know, even if when tools become unbiased and facial recognition, for example, is 100% accurate, do we really want a situation where police officers, without even being there, can just, identify you with 100% accuracy and watch you constantly? I, I don't think we do, right? I think that's really oppressive. That's a question. That's a pretty interesting question for the audience to think about. Absolutely. I think, you know, the goal, the goal to fixing biased um, AI should not just be to make it perfect. Right, because I think even perfect AI can be used in really nefarious ways. Um, hmm. Can be used in ways that can really harm um, our communities. Right, I I I don't think we should be using AI in that way. You know. Right. I mean, I haven't read a lot about AI. I mean, I might have seen a few interviews and a few articles on it. So again, like, I really want to thank you for like, giving uh, me and my audience so much of information about AI. I mean, we wouldn't have gotten to know so much otherwise. And I think that's yeah, the great absolutely. thing. Yeah. Like there's so much that you can learn from. Not everybody can, you know, take out the time, like hours every single day and going through um, news articles, interacting with people and getting to know. I think this is much better when you have somebody who knows a lot such as yourself to come on on board and talk about it and share their experiences with people i really thank you for that man yeah no i you know uh ishan i'm really grateful to have the opportunity to speak um on your podcast and um yeah i mean i think um this is something i'm very passionate about and so i've I've spent a lot of time researching and and reading about it um Hmm. i think you know i think the podcast format is is a great way to, to share that information and so um, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that I got to do this and, uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me onto the show. Cool. So, um, I, if I were to, um, uh, I think I just have a few more questions and then I think we'll wrap this up because it's almost an hour. Um, first, um, where do you see, um, yourself working towards AI in the next, over the next two or three years? What are you going to do with regards? Are you going to do something with regards to artificial intelligence? Um, I'd like to. I, I would like to. Um, I still have one more year of law school left. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think 
a lot of my interest in the artificial intelligence space is I want to continue doing research. I want to continue writing. Um, and, you know, one of the goals of the book is to really sort of get my own uh, opinions and my own research out into the world, have people read it, engage with it, um, even challenge it, right? I, I welcome people to read it and to sort of even change my point of view, um, you know, on artificial intelligence. Um, but I'd love to, you know, continue doing that research, continue writing. Um, and my, my sort of long-term goal is I'd love to eventually teach about uh, artificial intelligence and the law. Um, hmm. And so that's sort of the, the end goal um, is that I can, you know, really devote my career to um, researching AI, um, how it, you know, affects the law, um, and hopefully teach with other people about how it does that. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the, that's the dream for me. Hmm. That sounds, that is a very amazing vision, man. I wish you best luck for it. Thank you so much. Cool. So, um, okay. I just want to, um, if you were to leave this audience with, um, two amazing lines, what would, what, what would those two statements be? Ooh, okay. Um, is this about uh, AI or about a particular topic or? Anything you feel like, whatever you want to talk about, it's, your, it's on you. Ooh, okay. Um, you know, I'm going to take a step back from AI for a second. I'm going to say, uh, you know, for your audience, I think um, curiosity is a really powerful thing. I think, I think um, if there's a topic that you are really intellectually curious about, that you're interested in, um, and that you're passionate about, right? If there's something right. that really sparks something in you, um, pursue it, right? I think that's a, that's, we need to, you know, we can trust our instincts. If there's a topic that you find just so, so fascinating, um, pursue it, study it, understand it, um, and find ways to learn as much as you can about it, right? I think when right. we as people, when we are curious about something, that's a sign that we should chase after it, right? Um, you know, and, and I'm very fortunate that sort of artificial intelligence, the law, that's, that's what it is for me, right? Is that, you know, as much work as it has been to write the book and as much uh, effort as it, as it has been to, um, I think, really study and research this space, um, I don't find that I get that tired doing it because I enjoy it so much. And I think right. um, when, you are, when you find something like that for yourself, um, hold on to it um, and, you know, really go after it. Wow. That was, that was those, those were really amazing, really nice statements, man. I really thank you for sharing them with my audience. Wow. I mean, yeah, the first you. time, like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like generally it's me like just directly going and starting to talk, but I think I'm letting myself, I'm allowing these statements to just, you know, immerse in me for a second so i'm a little bit calm right now i'm a little bit quiet right now <laughs> yeah for sure mm -hmm. all right man it was a huge pleasure it was a great pleasure to have you on my show thank you very much patrick i think we'll wrap this up right now yeah great I, um thank you Ishan. cool so um I hope you have a really great day. Thank you very much for being on my show. Absolutely. I hope you have a great day too. Thank you so much for having me.